everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us. And boy, are there a lot this week. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is glitching in the matrix with me, Jonathan Strickland. I'm strutting, doot to doot. I'm strutting my way on over to you. Hey, Deja Vu, I feel like I heard you say that already. Yeah, uh, we we done tried to record this once, uh, and we got about six and a half minutes in, and then my connection started stuttering, which I don't understand because it should be fine, but uh, I switched to a different connection, and I will be spending a week trying to troubleshoot after this. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It works out for you because... <laughs> I was a little bit overly scattered in the first try. So uh, good for everybody all around. Um, Full disclosure, we are not doing a mashup this week because I have been crazy busy and forgot to pick one until it was too late. But it turns out to be a good thing because, as I said, there is a lot of things to talk about happening in the Geekosphere. Um, The first of which is that... We are getting a community movie. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. The reason why I say maybe is we've heard this before and uh, we shouldn't get anyone's hopes up too much. But Community, for those who may not be aware, uh, was a, a, a sitcom. Dan Harmon, who's the same guy who's behind Rick and Morty, created it. It ran for six seasons, not on the same network, Five seasons on one network and then moved over to a Yahoo streaming platform that no longer exists and then died. But there was a catchphrase throughout the series of six seasons in a movie, which was really more of a joke. But it sounds like it might not be all a joke. And and also, like <laughs> all the people who used to be on community, whenever they're in interviews, almost invariably they get asked if there's a community movie, would you come back? And they all have said yes, because they loved working on that show so much. So we know Mm -hmm. that at least among most of the cast with maybe a notable exception or two, (laughs) there's a desire to do it. And now Dan Harmon says that he's gone so far as to actually outline an idea for a plot. I mean, he's gone as far as to say there will definitely be a movie. I could have said that three years ago, but now I'm saying it now it might be one or eight years from now which is good. That'll give me a time to actually act. It'll give me time to actually like finish the series. I'm only in season two. I only recently started watching it. So. Yeah. But like more and more people have started to discover it. And like, it's, there's obviously they're like the hardcore fans who are like, I was watching it when it was on TV. I'm like, well, good for you. Yeah. Some of us didn't because we had lots of other stuff going on. Um, yeah. I, I, dove into the series earlier this year and have watched it all the way through more than once. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because I know that Brooklyn nine, nine, when it was wrapping up, which another series I absolutely love with, which I think has also similar kind of humor um, was, I don't know if it was somebody who I was talking to who's in the acting industry, if it was someone from Brooklyn nine, nine, who was just saying like the, the litmus for humor and, and what what is successful humor in media right now has changed. Now it's more situational as opposed to to pranky uh, satirical is is what's uh, most popular. And I feel like community falls into that same like it's not as situational. That being said, I think it's hilarious and I absolutely love it. 
Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it's also interesting because, you know, Dan Harmon, if you look into his background at all, uh, you'll see some some stuff that was and I'll use a phrase that everyone hates, but problematic. Uh, but he has kind of, you know, owned up to that and and uh, made attempts to correct that kind of behavior and that kind of mentality. And so there's a question also of what would a community movie be like? I mean, all the characters would have presumably aged the same as all the actors did. I mean, you could run a joke kind of like wet, hot American summer and just ignore <laughs> the time span difference. Uh, but assuming that you do account for that amount of time passing within the world of community, you have to ask your questions like, why do they come back together? What's the story? What have they been doing in the span of time between the two? And also what does the humor and what do the character dynamics look like? Because sensibilities have evolved since community was on. Not that community was particularly, uh, uh, let's say edgy, you know, which is a loaded term. It wasn't particularly edgy in the sense of containing a lot of stuff that you might see as being, uh, uh, kind of against the, the current, uh, likes and dislikes of, of culture, but there's some elements there. And uh, mm -hmm. it just makes you wonder, like, what would a community film even look like? That being said, uh, I kind of don't care because I want it so bad. Yeah, I mean, I have like three pitches for a community movie. I haven't finished the series, so I don't know where it ends up. But I'm sure all of them are brilliant and would fit based on the first two seasons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of a movie that we didn't know much about how they would do it, uh, we have a little more information on the Knives Out sequel coming to Netflix. Yeah, it's uh, Glass Onion, and we found out where the title comes from. Uh, so you would think, like, Glass Onion, okay, this is a phrase that tells you it's both transparent and yet has lots of layers to it, right? Like an onion. And fragile. Uh, and fragile. Like the story is it's fragilely layered. Any one layer off, and it all starts to fall apart. Maybe it should have been and, called uh, Glass Bloomin' Onion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for, from Outback Steakhouse. Um, <laughs> now I want a Bloomin' Onion, and those things are terrible for you. <laughs> they uh, are. <laughs> but the, the, you know, Ryan Johnson said that uh, he was looking for a song that had the word glass in it to take as inspiration for the title, which is kind of funny. Like, for, he knew he wanted glass, in the title, apparently, but he didn't know what word to pair glass with. And when he did a search in his music library, the top result was the Beatles song Glass Onion, which is not one of their better known tunes, but it is a self-referential song because the lyrics of Glass Onion refer to numerous other Beatles songs like Strawberry Fields Forever and I Am the Walrus and Fixin' a Hole and Lady Madonna and others. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, uh, we also know we, we got a first image from it. It's everybody sitting at a table, you know, not quite Last Supper-ish, but just all sitting around the table. Um, and we've got a little bit more about the story, which is Ed Norton's character invites all of his friends to an island and one of them turns up dead. And then they have, you know, Daniel Craig's character gets called in to figure it out. So, um, sounds fun. Yeah. 
it's got a lot of uh of interesting actors in it i mean it's you know seeing kathy hahn and something i'm just super happy about that uh dave batista also interesting to see him in there so uh, I'm wondering if he's going to play against type or if he's just going to be the super strong brooding type. <laughs> I really want him to play against type. I I have high hopes for Knives Out 2, and I think maybe I need to temper those expectations so I can enjoy it. Um, because sometimes Netflix puts out really amazing stuff, and then sometimes I just really need to temper my expectations. Like with the Resident Evil series, it had some amazing moments, That's... but it was not overall great. Yeah, that's fair. I I think part of the issue here is that Knives Out was such a, a delightful surprise when it came out mm-hmm. and it was so entertaining that that's the issue, right? Knives Out itself set a pretty high bar. And uh, and so you, you're hopeful that other entries will meet that bar. And I'm, I'm thinking that it's going to be similar to, you know, like the Columbo series where... Yeah. You know, you've got your your main character who is going to be in totally different situations from entry to entry, but you still have this through line of this uh, peculiar character who has his own method of unraveling a case and that's where, you know, the that's the connective tissue, but everything else is going to be different from from entry to entry and I'm cool with that. Yes, it's an other opportunity as well for Daniel Craig to get his Louisiana Louisiana accent down. No judgment. I stink at a Louisiana accent. Um, <laughs> it's it's also his opportunity to earn a hundred million freaking dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I hope he puts some of that to good use in helping others. Um, like uh, the the guy who plays the angel in Good Omens, Jonathan. What's his name? Remind me of his name. Martin. Is it the Martin angel? Shane? Oh, Michael Shannon. Michael. Yes. Shannon. Shannon. Okay. Sheen. Yeah. He he basically. Sheehan, he basically became himself, whatever his name, you know who I'm talking about. He basically made himself a nonprofit a- a- actor and he said everything past what he needs, he's he's giving to charity or he was for a while. So, um, yeah, if you make a hundred million, yeah. hopefully you're. He, he's known for investing directly back into his community in Wales, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we obviously we're in no position to tell Mr. Craig what to do with his. Let's see. Metric buttload of money. <laughs> yeah, you just, I mean, you you just hope that some people pay it for it. Uh, but Knives Out is not the only thing coming to Netflix. Uh, I don't know if this, we're still dealing with technical difficulties, so I don't know if that uh, segue works, but uh, I'm going with it. We're also getting a Bioshack. Bioshack. <laughs> <laughs> Bioshock live action movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, if you see a sign on the side, of the, side road of the road that reads Bioshock, um, <laughs> I I got yeah. me a daddy. He's as big as a whale. Uh, <laughs> We're about to set sail. Jeez, that could have been our mashup. <laughs> <laughs> Love Shack and Bioshock. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so I was not aware that there was an effort to bring a live action adaptation of Bioshock to Netflix. But we saw this message or this news in the Hollywood reporter. Um, That's interesting. If you're not familiar with Bioshock, it's, it's kind of a, an 
an exploration of objectivism in a way. Uh, it's set in an underwater community that was meant to be this idyllic uh, society free from government uh, uh, intervention um, where scientists could perform science without worried about worries about uh, interference and artists could create whatever work they wanted without censorship. But uh, by the time you show up there, things have gone badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have not played Bioshock, um, <laughs> but that seems, I don't, it seems very on brand for a, a Netflix show or movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the story itself is pretty compelling. And honestly, I think you could boil down the story of Bioshock into like two hours and you wouldn't really lose anything major. That's, that's the thing I think a lot of video game adaptations have trouble with is that when you really sift it down, uh, often there's not much story there, like because most of the game is involved with you, the player controlling the main character. So, it's more about an experience as opposed to a story. When you really boil stories down in video games, they typically aren't that long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if like, if you look at resident evil, now be it that had movies and, and a ton of video games to go off of. And they put a lot in from a lot of the video games. Um, it just, it dragged. Um, I hope this is better than that because. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's we've had a couple of movies based off video games that have been good. Uh, but yeah, those have been the exception rather than the rule. But uh, yeah, I'm hopeful that this will be good. If nothing else, the visual design alone should be spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. It should be great. Um, that's really all I have to say on that. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Let's talk about some uh, a whole bunch of stuff that involves Warner Brothers. Yes, and HBO and all that discovery. Uh, it's a lot to unpack. Where do we even start, Jonathan? <laughs> well, I'm going to start at the top of our list and just work my way down, <laughs> which I good. know doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go in any n meaningful order because we were the way we make our list. Another peek behind the curtain. Uh, the way we make our lineups is that as we come across articles and trailers and that kind of stuff, we just put them in the order that we find them, but not necessarily the order where it will flow naturally for a podcast, which is part of our charm. So yes. our first one has to do with Warner Brothers Discovery, but more in a distributor capacity, not in a production capacity. And that is Warner Brothers has signed an agreement to be the the distributor essentially for MGM's uh, future Bond films. Uh, the next one being right now codenamed Bond 26. And if you're wondering what it's about and who's going to be in it, you're in the same boat as the producers. Yeah, actually, I think Bond 26 isn't that going out to a different. That's oh, you're being right. Distributed you're right. by Universal. Yeah, you're right because MGM doesn't distribute its own films. It partners with other companies to distribute them. So you're right, Ariel 26 is already spoken for. So it'll be 27 and beyond that Warner brothers will handle for at least three years with the, uh, the, the option to extend that agreement out for two more years. So that's a five year agreement. Of course they could renew that afterward, 
if you look at the distributors for Bond films, it's like it's just a it's just a call sheet for all the major movie studios. Yeah, I mean, but also if you look at James Bond films, they're all over the place. It's just it's it's interesting to me because one, does that mean we're getting a Bond movie every year? Um, uh, and and two, like we're getting a lot of DC slash, and we'll get into that a bit more, but like. I'm much more interested in DC than James Bond. So, I mean, I am too. Uh, I haven't watched a Bond movie since Skyfall, maybe. Um, I, I so my last one too. I here's the thing I I find frustrating is that when you start looking into this and you go more than a layer deep, you you start to see all the business behind movie making, all the commerce, none of the art, right? Because uh-huh. film filmmaking is a balance between art and commerce. If you don't have one, you can't have the other. And when you're at a point where you're saying, we don't have an idea for a story. We don't know who's going to play James Bond. We literally have no information about what's coming up next. We just know we want to do it. That, that feels icky to me. Yeah. I mean, you got to plan ahead. And, but yeah. And I say this as an actor who, you know, benefits from <laughs> the commerce side of things. Uh, you know, when you when you book as an actor, that, that it's the business side that gets you paid, right? Um, so you like telling stories, but it's also nice to be able to, like, pay your bills off of it uh, if you yeah. can. Not a lot of actors can't. Uh, currently, I can't, but I'm working on that. And I would say, yay, James Bond, that's more opportunities for me. But they've already said they likely will not cast a woman as James Bond. They think they're going to keep him a man for now. And, you know, that's that's a OK decision. I'm fine with it. But they, they did say that. But also the article we linked to for this in The Guardian had a typo that said uh, that statement came from 2108 and 2108 hasn't happened yet. So maybe there's hope. Maybe there is. It was supposed to say 2018, but there was a typo where the the one and the zero got flipped. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but, you know, I did get a little bit more hope because everybody's been so upset about things getting DC stuff getting cut, like the Batgirl movie. Um, which let's talk about that f- first before I get into the hope that HBO Max has given me. Sure, sure. So, um, so. Yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery is reportedly holding what uh, some have referred to as funeral screenings for Batgirl. Now, obviously, Batgirl is uh, uh, the film that was meant for HBO Max. It was meant for streaming. Uh, $90 million had been poured into it. It was not yet finished um, when David Zaslav, the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, said they were going to shelve it forever and count it as a tax write-off, which means they can never release it commercially or else it would violate the tax Uh, write-off. I mean, technically they could and just pay back those tax write-offs, but they would have to really feel it was worth it. Yeah, I mean... Which right now they don't, obviously. Right now, Zaslav's looking to cut like $3 billion at least from his two Mm -hmm. companies to the now-merged company to get it on to the path that he thinks it should be on. And you don't cut $3 billion by reversing a tax write-off decision. So the, uh, the, the lot has been holding private screenings 
for a cast and crew of Batgirl to watch an unfinished cut of this movie because that's the only way they're ever going to see it and no one else will get to. Yeah, I am. I'm glad that they're doing that, you know, as as an artist, putting in all that time from the writers to the crew to the cast, like they all put in a lot of effort, right? Whether or Mm -hmm. not it was deemed a a movie that would be profitable or well-written or whatever, all of the things that have been out in the internet, like all of these people were passionate about this project that they worked on, or you would at least hope, hope they were. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to spend all of that time and energy and not be able to at least see the rough would be really, really hard. I'm glad that they're doing that. Um, I hope that they don't, there was some speculation on whether the footage would be destroyed. And I hope that they don't do that. Like you never know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a possibility they'll just put it in a vault and never touch it again, but there is a chance that they will destroy the film because if they destroy it, then they have a, an airtight, uh, uh, excuse to, to the government saying there's no way for us to ever make revenue off of this because it no longer exists. So the money we poured into producing it is truly lost money. That's what the whole tax write-off thing is. So yeah, I I hope they don't take that step. As someone who used to work for David Zaslav, I'm not feeling super good about it, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. Uh, I'm hopeful too for, for, you know, there's been a lot of doom and gloom for people who like a lot of DC stuff and who, who, like a lot of HBO Max stuff about this merger and and some of the things that I have really enjoyed on HBO Max like Doom Patrol I talked about it last week and uh, Avenue 5 and things like that there are but there's a bunch of stuff that everybody's like well they cut all this kids series stuff and they cut all of these like a, a couple of DC animated movies and they've cut the Batgirl movie what's next all of these things are on the chopping block especially since they're trying to like um consolidate dc and and revive it and remake it uh but hbo max released a promo look at the last of us and along with that like their current slate of shows coming out and in that current slate was the season of doom patrol that i think was just i think they just wrapped filming um they were filming recently i think they've wrapped now um avenue five a, a bunch of other geeky geeky properties were in there too so there's still a little bit of hope <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, clearly they're going to be producing more stuff because if they stop, then there's no business anymore. Right. So yeah. they will be continuing to make stuff. The question is, at what volume will they be producing stuff? Where is that stuff headed? How is that going to change the approach to streaming? Because the one of the big issues David Zaslav has is that the return on investment if you're making stuff specifically for streaming is pretty bad that you don't really make your money back uh, quickly anyway from streaming. In fact, it's, it's indirect, right? Because what you're really doing is you're trying to drive more people into subscribing and then you're collecting subscription fees. Well, it's harder to, to anchor a specific production with the value that it gives you in your platform when you're looking at it like that, right? You don't have box office you can point to. So that being said, my fear is that his, his philosophy when it comes to content made specifically for streaming platforms is to make it as low budget as you can get away with because 
you don't want to spend a lot of money on it because if you look at the, this is me going off and being opinionated because I used to work for the company. But if you look at the programming on discovery, most of that stuff ends up being super cheap productions, like really cheap, really, really cheap productions where you're looking at reality television stuff, which just, it's a, it's a, a very big jump down from the production costs of running scripted entertainment in yeah. general. Um, I mean, and but, Ariel knows this too, because she was on one. Yeah. I, and I enjoyed it. I, I would go back on that show if it were still around uh, on what not to wear. Uh, but I mean, so based on, you know, last week's discussion, I think they do know that HBO max serves a different function than discovery plus, even though I don't agree with all of their, all of their, um, like conclusions they've made from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously if they want to keep that fandom, they're going to make TV stuff. It is interesting um, because I don't want to get too into it, but also we had a whole IATSE strike based on, on, you know, how people get paid and make money and the, the regulations around making media for streaming platforms. Right. Mm-hmm. Recently. So it is technically less expensive to make make a show for a streaming platform on the like cast and crew side of it. Um, because there's even different rates for actors to make streaming content than there is for, to make like a broadcast or a movie. And then there are different rates for things like residuals. Um, I, I haven't looked recently as to where all that stands, but I know that it's different, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause how do you do residuals on a streaming site? Right. Um, so, I'm not saying that's good or bad. I've auditioned for stuff on streaming sh- streaming platforms, and I will again. It's just I understand that they do need to make up that cost. But one of the things that they showed us in their promo was The Last of a Series, which was trying to fight to be the most expensive TV series ever made. So. Yeah. 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 Counterintuitive. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, of interesting stuff. Well, First, before I get into anything like that, I do want to ask you, what did you think of the very brief look we had of the Last of Us adaptation? So I've not played any of the video games. Yeah. Um, We have them. I just, because we've got a PlayStation 4, I just, I haven't gotten into them. I want to play Zero Horizon Dawn and Zero Horizon Dawn West or whatever it's called first. Um, I think those will be more my speed. I mean, it looks pretty. It... But it doesn't look like anything new to me. Like, honestly, the most exciting part of it is that it had uh, the dude from Parks and Rec in it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nick Offerman. It's got Nick Offerman in it. Yes. I can't believe I couldn't I was remember like, his Pedro name. Pascal wasn't in Parks and Rec. <laughs> no, I do like Pedro Pascal. And I like the girl who is is playing, I guess, the main character or the other main character. She's in a new she's in a new like shoot a new period piece that I think about one of the Queens of England that I think is really cool. Mm. Um, but, uh, the, the trailer looks adorable for, but, um, no, it it just, I don't know. It was very pretty. I don't, nothing grabbed me. Maybe it was just too short. I saw some people like go Gaga over it to me. I felt like there wasn't enough there, there to really draw a conclusion. Uh, I played, the first last of us, I never played the second. I do know what happens in it. And, uh, I think I'm good. 
but um, not saying that the story's bad, but that I don't need to experience it. Uh, the The Last of Us is a tough, tough story. It is. It it starts on a brutal note, and it just gets harder from there, arguably. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that the gravitas that we saw in the really brief thing that we did get to see fits the story of the video game, but it's kind of hard to say based upon the limited amount. And I don't, I mean, part of me thinks like we don't really need that adaptation, but the other part of me thinks there are a ton of people who don't play video games. And that was a pretty good story. So I think having it in a different medium where more people can experience that story is not a bad thing. Um, It, but to your point, Ariel, it's very similar to a lot of other stuff we've gotten recently. I mean, like, we thought zombies had been done to death already. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. get more of them. Yeah. Uh, and the actress is Bella Ramsey, and she's in a movie that's coming out this year called Catherine Called Birdie. And if you haven't watched the trailer, Jonathan, or any listeners, watch it. It looks darling. Uh, yeah, just that's all I can say. Um, <laughs> cool. I look forward to seeing that after the uh, the we record this episode. Uh, yeah. But you were mentioning, like... <laughs> We know already that HBO has renewed House of the Dragon for a second season, even though it just started, Um, which just tells you how how big a response there was to the airing of the first episode, which I have I haven't watched it because honestly, the it just seems like more Game of Thrones, but. I don't know. I weird. I was talking with one of our mutual friends and she mentioned that like with all of the, uh, the spicy bits of it, that they decided that there was too much spicy in game of Thrones. So they cut out all of the good spicy and left all of the bad spicy. Um, <laughs> are you just telling me that there aren't any boobies in this anymore? Because I am out. I, I mean, there are, from my understanding, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, so I apologize to everybody if I am, that there are less consensual boobies. To oh, to, whoa! Because 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 of of the time period it was in, like that's accurate to the time period, right? But I'm well, like, no, 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 Ariel, it's not accurate to the time period because the no, time no. period didn't exist. <laughs> I'm not saying it is. Like that was the reasoning I heard. Now again, this is secondhand, oh, got and it, secondhand. Got it, got it. But I already wasn't really interested in the Targaryen story because, from what I understand, there's a lot more incest in it um yeah yeah, it's it's relatively boring um and i love matt smith so like it it tears me up just like i'm not watching the boys anymore but i absolutely love jensen ackles and um jeffrey dean morgan i think just got cast in it so yes yes he's joining the cast i haven't gotten Uh, to uh i mean i know i've seen like clips of jensen in the series but i haven't gotten to his character yet yeah yeah but i'm 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 done with that show. Anyhow, that's, that's fair. Um, like, I, you know what? I was done with Game of Thrones because actually I never really started Game of Thrones. I read the books. And then mm-hmm. by the time I reached the end of the the last of the books that published, and I can't even tell you the titles now, all the fans are yelling at me, but I don't know it at this point. Um, it's the the something of somethings because that's how all the titles are. But the yeah. the uh, the the series that already lost me because I felt that it was just wallowing in misery and, mm-hmm. you know, some people have called it misery porn, that it's just this this series that you're subjecting yourself to characters being put through progressively worse situations and like all the mm-hmm. decent characters getting ground down like right away until you're left with just a handful of survivors. 
And I'm like, listen, I don't need that. Life is already very hard. I don't need to have my entertainment be even worse. So I, I jumped off game of Thrones ages ago and, and house of dragons is not winning me back because even if it's not more of the same, I'm, I am burnt out of that universe. Uh, I don't have any, I don't begrudge anyone enjoying the series or jumping on board or still being a huge fan of that. They just like different stuff that I like than I like. So yeah, like you, Ariel, I, I have not watched it. I don't plan to watch it. I also know, like, I, I read a headline and I didn't get a chance to jump into it because, again, crazy week where people apparently like in the first episode or a recent episode or the newest episode, whatever, there was like a birthing scene and people weren't prepared for it because there wasn't like a, a trigger warning notice um, for it. So, um, yeah, but if people like it, that's great. I, I do like that there's more fantasy content being made because that's a genre I'm really into. Um and along the lines of their DC stuff, to get back on that, because I do love DC in general, the Justice League, uh, the Justice League Unlimited cartoons and the Batman animated series, I loved growing up. Um, they do have a potential new name that they've thrown in the ring uh, to take over the DC franchise portion of things and kind of try to make it bigger and better, uh, which is Dan Lin. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. So yeah, and he's, uh, Walter Hamada, Walter Hamada had been leading DC films and now is on the out. And rumor has it that Dan Lin is at least in talks to potentially come in and take over mm -hmm. the position of, of head of DC films. And not only that, but that Lin would, would report directly to David Zaslav, meaning he would not have any other levels of executive between him and the CEO, which is, highly unusual when you're talking about a division within an mm -hmm. entertainment department. But uh, yeah, uh, that's interesting. And uh, if you're curious about who Dan Lin is, he was a producer on the live action Aladdin movie uh, on the recent it horror movies uh, also on the Lego movie. So that's kind of where his background is what he's come from as a producer again, so uh, this is yeah. kind of another indicator that that Warner Brothers Discovery uh, really wants to do a full reset on its strategy for DC, both presumably mm -hmm. for TV slash streaming and for film. But, you know, we are getting another season of Peacemaker and we are getting another season of Doom Patrol. And my hope is that he will look at what has currently been made and see what what is good and keep that. Um. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because if you keep if you keep Peacemaker in particular, that Peacemaker has a lot of connective tissue to the Snyder Justice League stuff, mm -hmm. um, or at least to the the existing DC film universe. So it, it raises questions, right? If you keep Peacemaker, does that just become its own kind of independent bubble of, of, uh, of material. And then the rest of DC gets essentially a control alt delete. Uh, same with doom patrol. The Harley Quinn animated series is kind of its own thing because it clearly exists in a separate universe from all the film stuff, which I think is fine. I think that show is amazing and should continue to exist in its current form. Um, but yeah, it does raise some questions. 
Yeah, so again, Doom Patrol doesn't really tie into, and a lot of the DC TV doesn't actually, like, we had a mm-hmm. Flash series and an Arrow series that had nothing to do with the movie stuff, much to my dismay. Um, you know, Doom Patrol hasn't really tied into the main universe, so I think it might have a bit of a benefit there. And with Peacemaker, they've, in the last, this in the, Suic- the movie The Suicide Squad, they fought a giant starfish from outer space. They can do time dimension BS and make that work if it continues to be popular. Or they might just say, hey, it was a good thing while it lasted. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I, and on the one hand, again, I don't I don't like these things that people are excited about to get slashed. I really still want to see the Blue Beetle series, although that's way up in the air. I haven't heard that it's been canceled, but I haven't seen anything new about it. But uh, I can't disagree that DC could be better. Like at the end of the article on Hollywood Reporter, they quote Zaslav saying, uh, we think we can build a much stronger sustainable growth business out of dc dc is something we can make better and i can't disagree with that because most of their stuff has fallen flat with me right and so the question is like do you build on what's already there or do you clear it away and start from scratch and uh i don't know the right answer to that because Mm -hmm. i think there has been some stuff that was established that was you know ranged from pretty good to to maybe even great uh, I don't think anything was outstanding, mm-hmm. but like the first Wonder Woman film, especially the first two acts of the the first Wonder Woman <laughs> film, I felt were was pretty good. Uh, I thought the third act was terrible, but I thought yes. the first two acts were great. But but you know if if you if you average all those out, that just makes it a a decent movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel the same way about Captain America: First Avenger. I think mm-hmm. the first half of Captain America: First Avenger is a wonderful movie. I think the second half is largely forgettable. Um, And so, so like, do you try and salvage some of the stuff that's already been laid down? Do you do another reboot for some of these characters? We've seen them. So it's, it's like Spider-Man. We've seen so many different versions of them. And some of them recently, like Batman alone, we've seen multiple versions of, do you go through that process yet again? Do you do you decide to continue building upon the Batman that we just got or are you going to scrap that, too? I I don't know the answer to this. If Dan Lin I, knows the answer to it, then they absolutely should hire him. I, I agree. So, you know, we don't know who they're hiring yet. It is scary. I am a creature of habit. I don't like change. There are definitely things that I have invested my my time. You know, time is limited. Time is a currency. And I've invested my time into some of these shows and I I don't pirate them. I actually own way too many streaming services. Or I subscribe to too many. Um, but I am at least, I am in better spirits this week than I was last week. Because if they are trying to make a property that I love and have been so far nonplussed with better, I mean, that in the end is exciting news if they follow through with it. So it's uh, it's a it's a place of <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> Um, we do have we do have something else to talk about that is not DC related at all. It's Disney related and not, which is there is so much Pinocchio content being made and it boggles my mind as to why. Yeah, it's you know, we've seen in the past where Hollywood gets on these trends where you'll get kind of similar projects being produced at the same time. Like I think of like volcano and Dante's peak or Mm -hmm. Armageddon and deep Deep impact Impact. or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, 
there's all that or or snakes on a plane and the Lego movie. You start to see these <laughs> no, things. No, not not the same at all. If you've seen Lego movie and don't don't show snakes on a plane to your children. Just don't do it. I also those two were not made even remotely at the same time. <laughs> I was just trying to think of what rule of thir- thirds, right? You got to try to think of a joke for the third one. Um, yeah, it, it's weird to see maybe Disney decided to try and do this live action because Guillermo del Toro was making his own Pinocchio film Mm -hmm. and that, you know, Disney being Disney is like, well, we don't, we don't technically own Pinocchio, but gosh, darn it. We can remake a movie we've made before and and try to undermine someone else's attempt to bring that story to the screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know the Guillermo del Toro version Mm -hmm. Of Pinocchio, that trailer, which came out a while ago, it looks beautiful to me. It's not as dark as I was hoping, because originally he was talking about how it's kind of like a Frankenstein story to him, and it just looks like a Pinocchio story to me. Albeit the original Pinocchio story is a little dark. It doesn't look like he necessarily goes there from the trailer. Uh, the Disney Pinocchio trailer, at first, so Jonathan, we've talked about this a little bit. You think it's largely unnecessary, right? I think it's it's completely unnecessary. So the reason why I say that is that I I watched this trailer and I walked away thinking this looks not like a shot for shot remake of the animated film, but a beat for beat remake mm-hmm. to the point where all the way up to the design of Pinocchio himself is is as close to the original animated version of like hand drawn animated version of Pinocchio as you could get while still trying to create a, you know, like a three dimensional CGI version. So, you know, when Pinocchio looks exactly like Pinocchio from the cartoon and when the story appears to follow beat for beat, the same as the animated version, which again is not identical to the original published version of Pinocchio. So I I do think this is, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I do think that, Disney's version of Pinocchio is one of the few instances where they made a story better. Yeah. Agreed. But, uh, but it, it, it's my point being, it doesn't look like they're going back to the source material mm-hmm. to reinterpret it, but rather they're just adapting their previous film to a new style of movie making. And it leaves me saying, uh, what's the point? I mean, uh, apart from one, you're capitalizing on IP that people already know and two, you could argue this is a way to bring in new audiences who don't have an interest in watching old hand-drawn animation. Yeah, I mean, so that, that was my initial thought on it. And then I spoke to my husband about it, and he was like, well, I can understand it from a standpoint of Pinocchio is supposed to be jarring, right? In this world of real things and real people, he's this magical wooden boy, and he's supposed to look weird and different. So Disney could have done something really interesting with that, even if they made Pinocchio look the same as he does in the cartoon. But he doesn't look wooden enough in in this remake, and with all of the other CGI animals and and aspects around it, he doesn't stand out enough like a sore thumb. So, like... It was almost a really good idea. And I get that. And like that kind of resonated with me. So like if everything else had been live action, let's say that they had, uh, I think the cat's name is Figaro. So Mm -hmm. if they, if they had cast, you know, if they had gotten a rescue cat, like they did for Captain Marvel or, or stray or whatever, and used that cat 
as as a real cat and a real goldfish and things like that and and the cgi aspects were less and if they made pinocchio look a little more like an actual wooden boy as opposed to a normal boy with just some joint problems uh i think it could have been a really cool reason to do it but i I think that they just it, it looks pretty but they missed the mark I think they could have solved everything if they had cast Judy Dench as Figaro and had her appear exactly no. as she did in Cats. No, listen, I I watched the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie on Disney Plus that came out recently, and that was enough Cats for me. And I like the musical. <laughs> that was enough CGI Cats for me. Now, the thing I will say is I really do like the director of this Pinocchio. I love Robert Zemeckis. You know, he did Back to the Future. Uh, mm-hmm. He's done a bunch. He did Castaway. He so he's worked a lot with Tom Hanks, who is playing Geppetto. Um, I think he's a good director, and I think he'll make a lovely version of this story. Um, I just yeah, I I think it could have been a they could have made it a necessary remake, but they missed the mark based on the trailer I saw. Hmm. Yeah. I. Uh, uh, I yeah. I just I I definitely don't feel like this is a a win for me uh it's a miss Mm -hmm. so but that's not the only pinocchio thing we're getting we're not getting just those two we're getting a game we're we're getting a game that that's inspired by pinocchio because gosh knows i can't see a whole lot of connective tissue apart from the fact that the character is wearing a pin that's reminiscent of the blue fairy uh but it's called lies of p yeah, and and you wouldn't know it was Pinocchio if they didn't tell you necessarily. He does have a wooden hand at one point. In and the like a and like a steampunk hand that can do pretty much anything. He's got he's got a go go gadget hand, is what he's got. I mean, I I would have watched Lies of Go Go Gadget. Um, <laughs> I played rather. Well, I guess the lie part also is a callback to Pinocchio, right? Because they yeah. talk about whether you tell the truth or whether you lie, and uh, the gameplay doesn't. Like I saw someone react to this. Mm-hmm. It was someone who was curious about the game, but they they did they were not aware of the connection to Pinocchio and they totally didn't pick up on it. And I thought, well, of course they didn't pick up on it. It is not hitting you over the head that this is a wild uh, game that is at least loosely inspired by the story of Pinocchio. Apart from the fact that if you happen to know who wrote Pinocchio, the opening title card will clue you in immediately. But if you don't know the author's name of Pinocchio, then it would just go right over your head. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just interesting to me that Pinocchio is the story that's making a revolution this time. Like it's a fine story, but it's just fine. You know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I personally feel that in five years, it's going to be curious. George's time to shine. You know, I, I, it would all be all CGI, and that would upset me. Uh, not I, not listen, that it, that it was it all CGI. Should not be all CGI. Can't be all CGI because I just bought a big yellow hat. Okay, all of the all of the monkeys will be CGI because you know Hollywood's moving away from a lot of like exotic animal performers, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. But I don't. They haven't. They haven't mastered the uncanny valley for me yet. So just visually, yeah. it would be upsetting to watch that much Curious George outside of 2d animation um <laughs> well we've got a few other little things we want to chat about though oh do so, we have time awesome yeah we got time um 
I guess like my recording started over again. So we'll see how that goes. That'll be a problem for editing Jonathan. <laughs> Cause I'm currently seven minutes into this recording. Um, yeah. So okay. we have, uh, we know that there's going to be a rings of power screening. By the time you hear this, there probably won't be any tickets available for any theater near you. I know there are no tickets available near me. Um, there's only one theater in the general area that we live in that is showing it and all those tickets are gone. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, uh, Amazon's taking the unusual step of showing the first two episodes of rings of power in special free screenings. If you are in the United States, if you are a car mic, uh, member, Cinemark. And you go to Cinemark. Thank you. It was not yes. car mic. It's Cinemark. Um, Cinemark. That's why that's what happens when I don't have the actual news no, article fine. open in front of me. But yeah, it's it's um, you know, it's, it kind of reminds me of when Marvel did that with the first two episodes of what was it? Uh, Miss Marvel? It was it, no no, it was the it was the incredibly failed project that got canceled oh, almost the Inhumans. The Inhumans. They did that with the Inhumans and then that thing just crashed and burned. But we're hearing some you know pretty positive early reactions to rings of power from from various critics which i mean i'm not i'm not ashamed to say i am completely shocked that they are positive responses because i thought this was going to be a bomb uh, from the first true trailers i would have agreed it's beautiful i'm pretty sure that's why they're putting it on the big screen also it's a way for them to re well no it's free to cinemark members and only to them anyhow i was say it's a way to recoup money but they're not doing that um but the latest trailer actually made me really interested in the in the in the series. Um, not in gl anything Galadriel was doing, but in every other character that they showed, I found intriguing. Mm. So um, I'm excited for that, and I think it'll be beautiful on the big screen. And it you know it was fighting Last of Us to be the most expensive TV show ever made, so I understand them wanting to show that off. Yeah, I maybe it's because the cameras they were using, it just looks kind of like a soap opera to me. Like it looks, it looks too digital video. It doesn't, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look cinematic enough. Like it, there's not enough film quality to the look. It looks like it was shot on a very high resolution digital video camera. Mm. And that makes me have a disconnect from the material. It's how I felt when I watched the 48 frames per second Hobbit version, yeah. where Sorry I just felt that. like, it didn't look good. Oh yeah. No, that's Ariel's fault. Cause we did that for your birthday. Didn't we? Yes. I'm sorry. Twice. I think I'm uh, sorry. But we never finished it. We never did the third one. <laughs> no, I still haven't seen the third one to this Me day. Me neither. <laughs> the I first two did. were so bad. One of my friends was watching it in a house that I was staying in uh, last year. Cause we, we took uh, my, my husband had a, a, a small birthday event with a few friends in a house that didn't belong to us. And somebody was watching it there, but I avoided it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I tried to watch the very beginning of it. And then like, I, I was scrubbing through it when it was, mm -hmm. uh, on whichever streaming platform I was watching it on. And, uh, and even watching it that way by scrubbing through the film, it was, it was arduous for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you have to know, like the Hobbit is my favorite book of all time. I've got a copy immediately to my right as I record this, uh, <laughs> on the wall of my office. So yeah, I, um, it, that was a hard thing for me and I loved 
at least I love the first Lord of the Rings movie and I really enjoyed the second one and I tolerated the third one. So <laughs> I like the third one just fine. Um, I, yeah, I like, the Lord I have, of the Rings I have issues, but it's all, it's all because of deviations from the book. I'm one of those jerks. Who's like, this is different from the book. So I don't like it. And I get that that can be a spurious argument and I don't care. Do you, do you have the same feelings about the Cimmerillion? Like, are you going to be mad if they change stuff for the show? Well, the rings of power, I have a feeling they're not really touching anything with the Cimmerillion. So oh, okay. <laughs> not really. Okay. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, not so much because the Cimmerillion isn't, it's not a coherent, cohesive, like one narrative. It's a bunch of different stories throughout the entire prehistory of uh, Middle Earth. And so uh, I, I don't, I don't, I feel like this is going to be stuff that's, that happens within the gaps between stories in the Cimmerillion. Gotcha. So, so they're not really drawing directly from specific source material. It's more like they're drawing from the general world and lore of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing is we got a trailer. Uh, I only know about it because my husband showed it to me because it like as of last night, it wasn't even on YouTube yet. Uh, it probably will be by the time you're listening to this uh, for a sci-fi horror called Deus uh, featuring Claudia Black, who is Aaron's son on Farscape. And that's why I like, I mean, she's done a bunch of other stuff, but I like Aaron. I, I like Claudia Black um, about this like sphere that lands and starts transmitting the word deus all over the galaxy. And Jonathan has issues with it already. Yeah, no, I hate it. Um, it's the worst <laughs> movie ever made and no one should go see it. No, uh, no. So the thing that, the thing that drove me nuts, the thing that drove me nuts is that um, the, the trailer is, it's fine. Like I watched the trailer. It's fine. I don't, it doesn't look, compelling to me you know you've got this mysterious orb in orbit around mars that's beaming out stuff whatever what bothered me was the official synopsis for the film uh i don't know who wrote the official synopsis but whoever did <laughs> did a bad job you 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 did bad and you should feel bad okay because here's here's the official synopsis according to gizmodo quote a mysterious black sphere is discovered in the orbit of Mars. The Achilles is sent to investigate. After the bedraggled six-person crew wake from eight months hibernation, the sphere is transmitting a single word in every Earth language ever known. Deus. Okay. <laughs> if it's transmitting the same word in every Earth language and the rest of your synopsis is in English... Why would you not have Deus, which means God, be in English at the end of your synopsis? It makes no... Why do you... Why? If And if it's just sending out the word Deus, then it's, then it's not clearly not language. transmitting it in every language. Now, maybe it's transmitting the letters into the equivalent of every written language, but even that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Yeah, because every language has to know the Latin word Deus, but they get to read it in their own uh, characters. Alphabet. Yeah, yeah. I, mm, I hate that. I also don't get why the crew would be put into hibernation for a trip that lasts eight months. Now, I, I am glad that they said it would take eight months because that's about how long it would take to go from Earth to Mars, assuming you launched 
at the appropriate time, like mm-hmm. when Earth and Mars are, are approaching one another in their respective orbits, because you can have a time where Earth is on one side of the sun and Mars is on the other, and it would take you way longer than eight months to get there. So I, I think eight months is good. That's scientifically sound. Why would you go into hibernation if it's just eight months? It's not like you're going to be taking years to get there. Uh, uh, the the only thing I can figure is that they're trying to protect them from cosmic radiation. I don't know. Maybe that, or maybe uh, they have to pack less food and oxygen if the bodies are in hibernation. They're using less resources. I don't know. I mean, you still have to, you obviously still have to supply them with nutrients and or else they die. Like if, yeah. When you go to sleep, you don't just stop burning calories. Then so. you could, but you burn less. You, you do burn, burn fewer. Less. Yes. Um, um, fewer. Um. <laughs> but, but yeah, this whole thing, like the, the, the synopsis got me so angry <laughs> that, that like, and again, the trailer, by the way, the trailer does not seem to have the same necessary suggestions as that synopsis. Not all of it anyway. No. Like it, the trailer feels a bit different to me. It feels but a like little I said, bit like the trailer like... I felt, 2001 is Space Odyssey meets like Event Horizon meets like Alien. Yeah. No, Event Horizon was the thing I immediately thought of. Yeah. Event Horizon mixed with uh, Star Trek 1 and Star Trek 4. Because. <laughs> See, that uh, sounds I'm appealing. Because uh, I'm talking about the Star Treks where, like, star, if you saw Star Trek the motion picture and then you followed it up with Star Trek 4 The Voyage Home, you'd think these two movies have essentially the same plot in that you've got this interstellar. Um, object that's approaching earth and no one's really sure what it's going to do and what the motivations are. And it turns out that it's an old uh, satellite yeah. <laughs> uh, in Star Trek, the motion picture and in Star Trek four, it's just some alien satellite that wants to talk to whales for some reason. Um, I mean, anyway, that's, that's, those were the vibes I got was this was that same sort of thing mixed with some event horizon, Lovecraftian alien stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we are we are at 58 minutes and 40 seconds, Jonathan. Do you want to do the last story? Yes. Okay, Super so fast. we're going to do it fast. Okay, Candor and Ebb, who are uh, you know, uh, Broadway musical uh, uh, legends. They created Chicago, among many other musicals. Cabaret. Uh, Cabaret. They're, they're working on a show called New York, New York, which appears to be taking its name and song from the 1977 film, New York, New York, but nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) And they're bringing in Lin-Manuel Miranda to add in some more lyrics to some of the songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it. I just thought it's interesting that we're getting a New York, New York adaptation. That's not an adaptation because it has nothing to do with the original film. I will say two other things. One, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda on Twitter did say, look, everybody's saying I'm attached, but let me say, this is a John Kander and Fred Ebb production. It is theirs. I'm involved, but it's theirs. So like he's he's giving credit where credit is due. And the other thing is the people who have been able to see some bits of this so far, because there was like a secret staging of it uh, in New York a few months ago um, that I didn't get to see. Whatever. You know, I'm not in that crowd. But uh, they all of the reviews have been like, it's absolutely beautiful. So, yay. I'm excited for when it comes to everybody else actual stage. Yeah. 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 I, I, I am curious to see it. I also, uh, in, in a, in a confession of ignorance did not realize that the song New York, New York only dated to 1977. I just had the feeling that that song was way older, but no, it was written specifically for the 1977 film, New York, New York, Liza Minnelli sang it. It was made famous when Frank Sinatra covered it. Uh, and change some of the words. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, now now it's like a standard. But I just assumed that that song came from the era 
that the film is set in, which is in the 1940s. And boy, yeah. was I wrong. So that was I, that was good education on my part. It's on my part as well, and hopefully on yours. Uh, so thank you for listening to us gab on for an hour about just a small portion of the things that <laughs> have interest, interested us in the geek sphere this week. Um, if you want to write us for future mashup suggestions, which we will bring back, or things you want us to talk about or are interested in, you should write us and tell us. We still don't have an email, but you can reach out to us on social media. Yes, you can reach out to us on Twitter, where we are LNC underscore podcast, or on Facebook or Instagram, where we're Large Nerdron Collider. Also, don't forget, if you like the show, leave a review somewhere, you know, tell a friend that kind of stuff. Uh, Word of mouth, surprisingly, really effective in helping get a nice, strong community around the show. Yeah. Uh, And that's it for this week. Uh, Until next time, uh, I am Ariel. Uh, I have nothing to put in here, Kasten. And I am Jonathan, he had it coming, Strickland. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at, by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com.